0: Welcome back to Airway First, the podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca Downing. In this episode, we'll continue to say goodbye to 2022 and look forward to the year ahead by reflecting on some of the amazing guests we've had on the program over the past year. In this part two episode of our year in review, you'll hear excerpts from episodes with some of the leaders in airway-centric dentistry. As with part one in this series, I personally had a hard time pulling together and narrowing down the excerpts we wanted to use from the episodes because each episode was full of so much amazing information. I'll include links to every episode in the show notes so that if anything you hear resonates with you, you can easily click on the link and listen to the full episode. So let's jump into part two of our hearing review. The eight podcast excerpts you'll hear on today's episode are from some of the global leaders in airway-centric dentistry. They'll touch on the benefits of and advancements in airway-centric dentistry and sleep medicine. You'll hear from Dr. David McIntosh, Dr. Steve Carstensen, Dr. Magna Dasani, registered dental hygienist and coach Chris Duval, Dr. Michael Gell, Dr. Felix Liao, and Dr. Ben Moraleo. We'll close the segment with an excerpt from our very first podcast ever with Calf's very own Candy and Brad Sparks. Mm
1: -hmm. So part of the complexity is actually just addressing the fact that people are just so unaware of the importance of proper breathing in the first place. And then the next step is, particularly with uh, sleep, Mm
2: -hmm. is uh,
1: making parents in particular uh, aware of the fact that snoring is not normal. And that uh, the, the, you know, even noisy, heavy breathing is not normal. So, so, part of the challenge is actually just making people aware that there's a problem uh, and that it's not normal. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's got a criticism of parents. It's not like there's an instruction book
3: right.
4: that, that
1: comes, uh, that sort of, you know, if, if, if this red light is on, then please go see ENT because right. breathing is a problem. Mm-hmm. So this is, again, as you sort of allude to, is the education. But uh, as, as, as we'll go ahead and obviously dig into the weeds as, as we discuss things, we've got to have a perspective here. So when we talk about, uh, you know, snoring, mouth breathing, and then the, there's this thing called sleep apnea, if
3: mm-hmm.
4: we're
1: talking about it specifically in the pediatric population, we're talking about something that's affecting probably 20 to 25% of children in mm-hmm. their developmental years. If you do the simple math on that, that, that makes this uh, the most common chronic health condition of childhood. Right. You know, this is far more common than asthma, far more common than diabetes. I'll guarantee you, most parents have heard those two words and have yes. some sense of what those words mean.
3: Oh, of course. But
1: if I was to mention the overarching con- you know, description of this condition, which is sleep disordered breathing. I'll guarantee you that mm-hmm. they'll just get a blank stare from most parents and go sleep disordered breathing. What's that? And, right. and then if, if, if at a push, we might hit a mark on something called sleep apnea and they might go, Oh yeah, I know about that. But that's the worst end of the spectrum of a condition that uh, basically is, is founded on things that progress over time. We've, we've all, you know, normalized this to some degree. You know, we have this term called the terrible twos
3: mm-hmm. for example,
1: Right. You know, that, that's, that's, that's a, a term that society uses to write off, you know, behavioral um, issues in young kids. Mm-hmm. That's one of the manifestations of sleep disordered breathing. Uh, so we, 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 we've we normalized things, and snoring is a perfect example. There's, there's plenty of movies that you can watch, um, you know, where they have kids snoring, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in it, and it's all sort of just representative of the fact that that's part of what you expect to see when the child is asleep or, or expect to hear more, more particularly when the child is asleep. Right. And, right. And, 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 again, no, no second thought is given to it, but when you know what I know, and then you, you see that in the movie, then you, you, you just face palm and just go, here's <laughs> another, here's, here's another time where as a society we've demonstrated our, our ignorance and our acceptance right. of a condition that, has such a deleterious effect on the development of children. It really Absolutely. does. Absolutely,
0: and in and, and doing so we have created or manifested this pandemic, this huge issue that is global, that is yeah. 400 million children right now and these children are becoming adults. And so now we're impacting the medical systems across the board with a variety of chronic diseases, which we'll discuss, that could have been prevented.
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's that's what I posted way early on back back when this this era of um, of I don't even like using the the term COVID anymore. I think we've all got a bit <laughs> fatigued with it. Right. But 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 you know I posted something and said imagine there was if there was an infection that spread throughout children and, and it affected twenty to twenty five percent of children and it caused brain damage.
0: Mm-hmm. Imagine
1: there was an infection that did that. How Proactive and urgent would we act to address that problem? Mm-hmm. That's what sleep-disordered breathing is.
0: As adults, you know, what you know, we've heard, right? We've all heard what sl- not sleeping can do to you, right? You know, and 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 all the health impacts, but we really haven't until recently talked about breathing and sleep and the way they correlate with children and their health, um, you know, as they're growing, but then that's what's going to manifest and cause all these health implications as they get older. Um, So when we're talking about kids and we're talking about, let's just start with sleep specifically, you know, why is that so important for kids?
5: Well, you know what, you know, the really interesting part about that, Rebecca, Mm -hmm. they don't really know. We don't know why. Uh, uh, we don't know the function of sleep in, in great detail. There's been big volumes written. Uh, one of the best is by Matthew Walker. Uh, Matthew, Matthew Walker. Matthew
0: Walker. Yeah. yeah. Why are we sleep. Why we sleep. Yes.
5: But even that's about adults. And mm-hmm. so the um, the key about kids is uh, it's so difficult to test. Sleep medicine came around because of adult problems. Uh, uh, adults having troubles in hospitals. Adults being observed by physicians. So the rules are written for measuring adults. The, te- the, the tools were developed to measure adults. And somewhere along the way, um, of course, pediatricians and uh, physicians said, look, there's little kids out there that don't seem to be sleeping well either. And there's these behavioral troubles. Mm-hmm. And in my practice, like for example, you know, I have 55-year-olds in my practice that have mm-hmm. chronic disease chronic inflammatory related diseases like cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Where did that come from? It came from decades of struggling to breathe at nighttime. Mm. So if I have a 55 year old in my practice, at one point they were 5.5 year old. Right. And so could there have be been a root cause of some of these uh, adult problems in children? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it makes logical sense.
0: Mm-hmm. But then you kind of
5: try to go to medicine and science and think, how are we going to figure this out?
0: Right. And the
5: only good way to figure, the only, oh, not good, the only uh, incontrovertible way of doing this is to gather up a bunch of 5.5 year olds, get a figure, figure out whether they breathe badly at nighttime, put half of them into some kind of treatment to fix that, and leave the other half untreated. And then wait until they're 55 and see what happens. Well, there's many things wrong with that. You, you'll never be able to do that study because once you diagnose a child, especially with a disease, they don't have the, the, the they can't be the 55 year old says, I'm not going to treat this. They, you know, you can't ethically withhold treatment from, from them. So you right. can't do randomized control trials. Right. All we can do is we can look at populations of kids who were treated and populations of kids who's families decided that treatment wasn't going to be possible for them for whatever reason that is and then look and see so that makes matching populations a little difficult some of it's been done Karen Bonnick has done a big study in in a town in England that's now about 20 years old so we have some pretty good data about what goes on but what we don't have to rely upon is the fact that we can consider a child who doesn't breathe well to be less healthy than a child who does breathe well that makes sense we don't need science to tell us more than that mm-hmm. so let's figure out why they don't breathe well and if they don't breathe well from bad habits like for some reason they've just developed a mouth breathing habit maybe we can mm-hmm. fix that
0: as as a dentist and and as well as i'm sure it's not just you at this point it's you and your staff what signs are y'all looking for when they come in specifically children
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's so much, you know, when we have an adult with sleep issues, um, I like to say I can fit them inside a box. Adults present with very specific signs and symptoms and Mm -hmm. you check those boxes, you know, for the snoring, the daytime sleepiness, the getting up to use the bathroom multiple times a night, choking and gasping in your sleep. I can fit typically uh, you into a box, but as a child, Mm -hmm. I could have seven children with nine different symptoms, and they could all be positive for sleep disordered breathing, which is why it's so important, you know, parents play a big role in our team here because there's so much that they can observe at home that we we don't see the child asleep in our offices. right? And this is where the parents come in. So what can't, you know, what do we look for and what can parents look for? Um, mouth breathing is a big one. Typically when, you know, and my team is trained to do the same, I walk into an operatory and I immediately focus on the parent. And the reason I want to do that is in our office, we have TVs um, on the ceiling. Uh, So the child is typically laying back and they're watching TV or now, you know, today's day and age, even if you don't, they're, what are they doing? Typically they're on their phone. What I want to see is because anytime you walk in and you, um, you're talking to somebody we automatically come to attention don't we we sit upright we we adjust our posture all of that right that's not their normal resting posture normal resting posture remember should be lips together breathing through the nose and the tongue resting in the roof of the mouth passively well when i walk in and introduce myself to the parent and completely ignore the child the child goes back to what it is that they're doing which is i don't know watching dora on tv Ah. And I catch this child either sitting with their mouth open, breathing through their mouth, or whatever that posture looks like, and I can immediately focus that attention to the parent and go, is this how she is or he is at home as well? And I'll get one of two responses, right? I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I have to remind him, her to close the mouth, during, I don't know, reading, playing puzzles, whatever it is that they're doing, watching TV. Mm -hmm. And that's the connection. Boom. We start right there. Or the parent's going to say, you know what? I haven't really noticed. And for me, then it is, let's pay attention. When you go home, now the parent is dialed in into what is it that I need to look for? So that is key number one. Um, As a dentist, I will look for, my team will look for other telltale clues that tell us that something is going on that's impacting um, their airway. And typically it will be growth and development, right? We look for, if this is a child that either has permanent teeth or has permanent teeth coming in, is there any crowding? Crowding tells me there's just not enough room. There is right. a discrepancy between the size of the jaw and the size of the teeth. Or a lot of times when those permanent teeth come in behind the baby te- teeth, right? Shark teeth, as we call them. Mm-hmm. right? They just aren't, there isn't enough space in the jaw for those teeth to be able to do what they do. The permanent teeth erupt, try mm-hmm. to push themselves out. And that's what causes the baby teeth to get loose and fall out. Well, guess something is not working the way it needs to, and which is why these teeth are in all different kinds of positions. So is there enough room for those permanent teeth to come in? Yeah, there could be a discrepancy in the size of the teeth and the size of the jaw. You know, you got dad's teeth and mom's jaw, smaller jaw, bigger teeth, sure. But at the end of the day, we still need the space.
6: Because I think when you're in relationship with your patients, you can discuss anything. And that's how I felt and have felt is that I'm overlooking a pool of patients. And when I see them doing things with their lifestyle or habits that I become aware of, I have the opportunity to talk to them and, and tell them about what we now know and how that can impact their dental health, their overall total body health, and how it impacts their longevity, you know, and my goal has always been to help our patients have live a long and healthy health span, not mm-hmm. just a long a lifespan.
0: lifespan.
6: Mm-hmm. Yes. A lifespan. I love that. Yes. The amount of time that they're healthy during their life and extend that. And so just, that's my philosophy of care. I developed it. Um, and over time I've shifted my mindset my message, and my uh, clinical habits to match uh, the information, the science-based evidence we know now, or the evidence-based science, excuse me, that we now know. Right now, we have such a mismatch between our protocols, our philosophy of care, how we're taking care of patients, what we're doing for them. Uh, there's a mismatch between the science that we now know. What do you mean? Well, like um, many of us that are hygienists are still focusing on scraping and scaling tartar off a patient's teeth. Mm -hmm. So my focus is helping my patients create a healthy biofilm Mm -hmm. because I have learned that when you create a healthy biofilm, the uh, localized diseases and problems of the mouth uh, go away. And also the oral systemic impact of the biofilm creates a huge impact on the total over, overall body health of the patients.
0: Wow, and so you, and you mentioned the the CBT. So for people that don't understand or have never, you know, it, it's still kind of a new phrase. Um, You know what?
7: It's, it's still really new. So when I say, when I say CBCT, I'm talking about basically a three-dimensional scan that dentists take, it's about 140th to 150th the amount of radiation. We get the results within five minutes, almost immediately, we get the results. We send everything out to radiologists, but it's just the most beautiful images of not only the TM joints and of the face, but of the airway, the teeth, infections, You know what we can talk about Uh, oral systemic later, but because we're taking cuts through the bone, we can often find infections that regular two-dimensional x-rays would never ever see. uh, So you go to a dentist, they say, you don't have a problem, but we're able to cut the tooth in sections like the $10 million machines do, we can do the same thing. For a fraction of the price it should be the standard of care in every office okay it it's should, not there it yet. will be it will become the standard of care because if we want dentistry to move into towards children's health if we want dentistry to move towards health and wellness and of course all the all the health care uh, specialties are supposed to be about health and wellness right So we're not supposed to be repairmen. We're not supposed to be fixing teeth. What dentistry is really about is supposed to be furthering and enhancing our wellness.
3: And
0: this kind of leads me into something that I heard you say actually recently um, on a YouTube video that airway trumps everything else in dentistry. Which to me, you know, with somebody with a dental background, that's a pretty big statement to make. I mean,
7: well, well... why? You know, it's, it's for uh, for people like me. It's you know, it's fairly obvious. But <clears throat> when we say that airway trumps everything, so you can go two weeks without uh, eating.
3: Oh.
7: You can go maybe four or five days without drinking water. Um, you can go maybe four minutes without breathing, without oxygen, without air, and so. I believe the reason we have teeth, the teeth is the scaffolding that supports the airway. And because the dental profession, because we treat the upper and lower jaws and because the tongue and the soft palate are attached to the jaws, basically 50% of the airway are things that the dentist encounters and works with every second of the day, every patient. And then the nose, the other 25% of the airway, which is the nose, is controlled by the upper jaw. So the top of the upper jaw mm-hmm. is this is the bottom of the nose. It's the mm-hmm. same bone. But the reason that it trumps everything is that you're when you breathe and you sleep, the way that you breathe at night determines systemic inflammation which is okay. basically aging it's aging it's heart disease it's alzheimers and in addition to systemic inflammation when you get hypoxia and sleep fragmentation you get oxidative stress you start rusting endothelial oh. dysfunction which means your blood vessels okay. your blood vessels don't dilate the way they're supposed to in addition to that your sympathetic nervous system your fight or flight okay. nervous system gets Upregulated, it, you get increased sympathetic activation, which leads to high blood pressure, which leads to more cortisol, which has very negative effects on right. your liver. And so, if you really look, you just think about it. When you manage the airway, now that I manage the airway, I'm I'm able to get rid of people's anxiety mm-hmm. because look, the patient's yeah. being choked. The patient, the patient's being choked a hundred, two hundred times a night. I'm not going to tell you what time someone's going to come in and choke you or they're going to pinch you in the nose. You're going to get panic attacks, anxiety, depression. And by the way, that type of depression is drug resistant very often. Really? Yeah. So those people out there where they try all these different antidepressants and they don't work. Yeah. When you open the airway, all of a sudden, either you don't need the antidepressants or the antidepressants you you were taking start to work. So if you look at drug, you know, high blood pressure, same thing, arrhythmia. There's about an 85% correlation for people that don't breathe well at night that have sleep apnea. Uh, 85% of people with cardiac arrhythmias have sleep apnea. And if you want to lose weight, okay. I mean, that's why they say, if you want to treat airway and sleep, it's a lever. James Nestor says it gives you leverage or a lever to treat things that you were never able to treat. So if you're trying to get rid of those.
8: So my first message is from no less than the highest medical officer in our land, U.S. Surgeon General, way back in the year 2000, said. Oral health is more than healthy teeth, all right? So it's time to widen our viewfinders from toothpaste commercials and, you know, water picks and brushing and flossing to expand it to whole body health by mouth. If you think about it, that's how we all grow. From the mouth, From the moment we're born, take that first breath, okay? We Mm -hmm. breathe first, then we cry, then we get fed. And what happens after babies are fed? They go to sleep. They sleep. Repeat the cycle, less the spanking, and that's how we grow. (laughs) (laughs) Right?
7: Yeah, we grow from
8: the mouth. And I'm fond of saying that the roots the mouth is to humans what roots are to plants. Okay. So how the mouth operates is crucial to whether or not this child or this human being thrives or wilts and suffers. Okay. So my message to all you parents out there now with this new book is that your child's best face is now within your power to actualize. All right. You're no longer a sitting duck for orthodontist bills. Oh, we know that's coming in 14 years, just like, you know, college tuition is coming. Right. 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 Um, you know, you can actually grow kids now predictably. OK, so that they're healthy, vibrant and just a ton of fun to be with. I practice as an airway mouth doctor. That's what AMD stands for. But this is how I practice. So you can see barely that this patient is smiling. There's no shots. There's no drills. There's no pain. And there are only benefits because I work on this, like this here, outside the patient's mouth. Okay? So
4: Hmm.
8: uh, my patients don't get any work done inside the mouth. That's what an airway mouth doctor does. So the kid won't be won't need to kick and scream as soon as they get there, a, a, as if they were going to a dentist's office for a cavity fill or a tooth pull. Okay. Yeah, this is an entirely new field within dentistry. It's a new frontier, if you will. Okay. What I can tell you right now is that um, this most important piece of research conclusion This is out of Stanford. Yushu Huang runs a um, hospital with uh, um, premature pediatric obstructive sleep apnea children. And Mm -hmm. Christian Gere Mino is out of Stanford Sleep Center, the most premier research center on pediatric obstructive sleep apnea in the world. Mm -hmm. And so the paper is on the critical role of oral facial growth. And their conclusion is this: pediatric obstructive sleep apnea in non-obese children is a disorder of oral facial growth. Failure to thrive here creates sleep apnea. Okay, pretty straightforward. So, yep. Yeah. This is as as revolutionary as Surgeon General statement that I quoted earlier that. A healthy mouth is more than healthy teeth, right? The mouth Mm -hmm. content is way more than just teeth, okay? Now we're talking about oral facial growth. Who's in charge of that? Well, looking at the number of cases that we have, uh, the answer is so far, nobody. And so there is a serious need for what I call an airway mouth doctor, who is trained to take charge of oral facial growth.
0: Um, airway dentistry uh, for a lot of our our listeners, parents especially, this is a newer term. Um, we're we're kind of hearing it, but still don't really understand what that means. So, what all does that encompass as far as what's the difference between an airway de- dentist and a regular dentist, and then you know what your practice might look like compared to traditional dentistry.
9: Right, right. Yes. Excellent. And so, yeah, airway dentistry and those kind of terms are kind of newer. But um, the idea is that if you think about dentistry, you think about teeth. And so, mm-hmm. you know, dentistry has a uh, almost a tooth first philosophy, foundation and history. And that's fine. We do have to pay attention to the teeth. The teeth are part right. of dentistry. However, right. there, there is a different way to look at it. And so we're we're looking at things a little bit differently now because while we see the teeth first, the teeth are held in by the jaws and we have this upper and lower jaw. So the upper and lower jaw, it turns out that their development affects how well we can breathe through our nose. So nose breathing isn't just automatic. It has to do with how well your jaws grew when you were little. And the way we think about it now is, you know, maybe dentistry should have a little bit of a paradigm shift To being growth and development first or foundation first teeth second so in the previous rendition of thinking about dentistry you're thinking teeth first but in what we're Mm -hmm. trying to accomplish is dentistry thinking about jaw growth and development first foundation first so when the word airway dentistry kind of pops into play what you're thinking about there is well if you hear airway dentistry or airway dentist or airway anything like that Now, you know, you're probably dealing with someone who's paying attention to the foundation first. And when I say foundation, I mean jaws, the jaw structure first and the teeth second. So, you know, just like you would build a house on a foundation, you, you don't try to build the house and then slide the foundation under it. You want to put the foundation down and you have to have it mapped out perfectly. Then everything goes up beautifully from there. So we think about dentistry going forward, and we're thinking about airway dentistry, what it means to me and others as we're trying to spread the word is that we're more focused on the foundation and its growth and development so that you would have a better breather as well as really nice teeth where they belong. So the good news is if you guide the foundation to grow properly and you're focused on the airway, that's the resulting benefit of foundation-first philosophy – It turns out when your foundation grows better and you have better jaw growth and development, your teeth go closer to where they belong. So even though we say teeth are second, they're going to be in better shape when you focus on the foundation first.
0: Got it. And I saw something, I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to this, but I I saw you explain this and, and I'd like to ask for you to just do that for the parents that are listening. Now, the difference really between normal and abnormal when it comes to the foundation and the
9: growth. Sure. So um, the idea behind normal growth and development is, uh, it's something that we don't see very often. So if we're thinking about normal childhood growth and development in the jaw region, because we're we're talking about the head and neck for the jaws to grow, Mm -hmm. it used to be the case that a child would grow up and have their jaw growth be perfectly uh, happening along the way so that all of their teeth would go to place and they would never need braces and they would have all 32 land, meaning the wisdom teeth would pop in when they were 18 to 20. So that used to be the normal. Now that goes back several hundred years. Now today the normal is that the jaw growth is underdeveloped, the teeth are crowded with a bad bite, so teeth that aren't where they belong, and almost rare is it that a child could, you know, not need orthodontics to fix their teeth, and very rare that they can fit their wisdom teeth. So we think about what what we consider today normal childhood growth and development to have all of your teeth go to place, avoid having braces and get your wisdom teeth to come in, that's still considered normal growth and development, but it doesn't happen very often. In other words, that kind of child who grows perfectly, all the teeth go to place, they never get braces and they get their wisdom teeth to come in. I call that a unicorn today. That we, we <laughs> only see, we, we see that child one in several hundred. Wow. So I see a lot of children, several hundred children a year we only meet one child out of several hundred who will on their own grow all the way up to have their wisdom teeth come in and not have any braces. So that's really still normal growth and development, but it's not common. So we start thinking about normal versus common. Now, today it is common that children have underdeveloped jaws, crowded and or bad bites, so crowded teeth and bad bites, common to need braces, and common to have their wisdom teeth out, meaning the maximum you would have is 28 teeth. And if you have four teeth taken out during braces and your wisdom teeth out, you might only have 24 teeth. So the idea is, while all of that is very common, that doesn't make it normal. So common and normal are two different things. So we're
0: getting more of that kind of um, uh, retracted, retruded jaw, like when you turn sideways, you can actually see it slanting more in the profile.
9: Yes, you know, that's exactly right. The profile is a telltale kind of view of, of the face, its growth and what it means. And so when, when we have normal growth and development, we're usually getting wide and forward, really okay. nice wide and forward growth. That's how the jaws should grow, wide and forward. And when the okay. jaws grow wide and forward and we breathe in our nose, that air gets, it goes up and down. It's like an upside down letter J, the airway kind of thing. So the, the air goes in our nostril. And it goes around a little curve and goes right back down behind the tongue into our lungs. So that space is bigger when the jaws grow wider and forward. So jaw growth that's wider and forward is excellent for us. And it delivers a profile that I like to describe when we look at someone's profile, their lips are well ahead of their eyes. Oh. If we look at a profile and we see today, it's more common that the lips and the eyes are almost in the same plane. But that profile is labeled as a straight or flat profile. And it's interesting, that wording, because a straight or flat profile, when the eyes down to the lips are in the same plane, those are the words that we find in the sleep disorder, breathing and obstructive sleep apnea literature that show you're at risk for bad breathing and sleeping when you have a straight or flat profile.
3: About a year ago, I found out that everything that that happened to our daughter, she's almost 20 years old now could have been avoided or treated, and uh, treated when she was very young. So in talking parent to parent, I would just like to ask everybody listening today, what if somebody told you that your child could be born with a condition or an anomaly that's structural in their airway that would cause them to have hypoxic brain injuries, Innumerable comorbidities, including cancer, heart disease, autonomic disorders, you name it, and would lower their IQ by at least 10 points. Would you not rush to your local pediatrician and your, possibly your local dentist and maybe just wouldn't even know what to do? Right. Well, We had no idea that our daughter had this issue. But... It was present at birth and could be seen by a trained eye. In fact, when she was 18 months old, I went to my cosmetic dentist and he took one look at her and she's adorable. Look at her on her website. I mean, gosh, she's this gorgeous child. And he said, you know what? She's going to need some work. And I'm thinking, huh? She's first of all, she's the smartest kid ever born. We all think that about our kids, don't we? Right. And, uh, and gosh, she's just cute as button. What is he talking about? And he said, like, You're gonna go, need to go see a Dr. Hang, Dr. Bill Hang in California when she's between six and nine. So I thought, well, she's 18 months now, I've got time. It's it's all good. But what I've learned in the last year is that that trained eye could have recognized it at birth. And what would they have been seeing? Number one, that she was breathing through her mouth Mm -hmm. predominantly. And number two, if they had checked inside her mouth, they would have noticed that she had a very high upper palate. And that palate was actually impeding her nasal air airway mm-hmm. so that she wasn't able to breathe through her nose because that palate was up too high. And we also would have been told, oh, and by the way, her chin is back a little too far and the tongue is attached to that. And that tongue is falling back into her oral pharynx, her oral airway. So even breathing through her mouth had a loss of oxygen that she was trying to get so all of that was possible to see at birth and one thing that we're fighting for now with the children's airway first foundation is the opportunity for every child to have a complete airway exam within the first 24 to 48 hours after birth because think about it at least 20% of kids are born with some type of airway issue.
7: That's
3: huge.
0: That's astounding. That's huge.
3: And you can't even imagine that there are 11 million children under the age of 10 in the United States. And usually it starts at birth. But let me tell you, if it isn't present right then and there at birth, here's how it could show up for your child. Imagine if you bring your child home and you had no idea that there's some black mold in your house and Mm -hmm. we're in Texas. So sometimes that happens here in Texas, (laughs) right? Or you might have a cockroach infestation, you know, under your peer that you don't even know about, but there are toxins in your home, or maybe you open the window and there's a factory nearby and that toxic chemical is blowing into your home and maybe within hours or days, your newborn child is breathing through his or her mouth. And when you breathe through your mouth, instead of your nose, your jaws and your airway are going to become compromised. They will develop differently. Who knew? I certainly, my daughter was mouth breathing from the start. I thought, yeah. Maybe she just does that because I'm nursing her and she's kind of saying, hey, again, please. But So we're finding that children have this mouth breathing going on and we check them and we could see a high dental arch, maybe a retreated chin. So that tongue is falling back into their oral pharynx. And other issues that you might look for is typically they may have sort of an accentuated bow upper lip, you know, that cute little bow lip. Mm -hmm. And maybe the lower lip is rolling forward. And those are also characteristics.
0: With that, I kind of want to segue into Brad to talk about, um, you know, again, I I come to this a little different. I didn't have the journey with Savvy. I know Savvy now and I love her and, and, and I feel her journey, but I wasn't there. But as a parent you know, I think, oh, I've got insurance and I can do this for my kid and I can do this for my kid and I'm, I'm doing such a great job and come to find out, you know, even that's not necessarily true because of the way it's structured. And, you know, Brad, I'd, I'd like to open it up to you to speak a little bit more, you know, parent to parent on that.
4: Well, you know, parent to parent, very interesting. Candy, uh, she, she alluded to the time when, when we actually were introduced to the orthodontist who. Who put the retractive braces on? And, and of course, went through the, the story about I can give you a good smile. You know, Sally will need surgery when she's seventeen, which we have never heard before. So we're right. kind of really, And and so and and you know, I've worked for some some pretty decent uh, companies who've got very good insurance plans. And and so orthodontics uh, and dental insurance was was one of them. So what I wanted to do, uh, you know, parent to parent. Talk about what I, what we would, we wish we could have asked the orthodontist when we first saw him. He was talking about the smile and you know the surgery in the future, but we never ever mentioned airway, not once. So when you think about that, um, we didn't know, and and we just assumed that that was not an issue, just assumed it, and and mm-hmm. and that was a, probably the, the very very. Um, Critical cool mistake that we made, and and now if we were to start over and have that same conversation, the first thing we would have been asking, well, what will this do to her airway, and and we, which is at this point in time, if that person, if the if the doctor would have come back and said, oh, she'll be fine, no big deal, um, then asking, well, what proof do you have of that? Let's be a little more specific about that, and and then get into the, the you know what what really happens to it. Um, and 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 our feeling was that then we would go refer her Saudi to an airway dentist, an airway orthodontist, somebody who's actually claiming that they know something about this. And and now back to that point in time, there really weren't any, to my knowledge. I mean, you had Bill Hang, you know, and and Kevin was was learning at that time, and Ben Moralia and some other people around who are really good at this now and and experts. And and one of the things we want to do with the website is, is to have a referral where we can, when we ask, well, who can I see? You know, we're going to get to that point. We're not there yet, but we want to get to that.
0: Well, that concludes our year in review. And what a great year 2022 was for the Children's Airway First Foundation and our Airway First podcast. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Parents, we also invite you to join us on our Facebook parent support group, The Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airwayhuddle. And if you haven't already, check out our YouTube channel. You can find a variety of informative original video content pieces as well as video recordings and excerpts from select Airway First podcast episodes. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. And finally, thanks to all the parents and the medical professionals that joined us on the podcast in 2022. We appreciate all the information and knowledge that you shared. On behalf of everybody at Children's Hearing First Foundation, Happy New Year. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everybody.